BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. I typically like to give you yesterday's poll result and then set up today's poll question. I want to reverse it today. I, I want to lay down an immediate marker on the issue that gives rise to today's poll question. Here it is. Should the affidavit that gave rise to the Mar-a-Lago search be made public? Should the public see the affidavit? And the reason I want to very quickly be heard on this is that today there'll be a hearing at 1 o'clock Eastern time. By the time people hear the, the replay of the program tonight, this will have run its course. Media outlets are seeking access to the affidavit that enabled the feds to search, quote, raid Mar-a-Lago. And President Trump, former President Trump, has said in recent days that he wants the immediate release of the affidavit. At the same time, he's leveled these attacks on the FBI and the Justice Department. He's also demanded via his Truth Social account that everything be returned to him. But his legal team has yet to take any sort of legal action on either front in response to the search. So as of this moment in time, you have got a number of media outlets that include the Associated Press. They include the New York Times, the Post, the Journal, CNN. They all want U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt to release the affidavit over the objections of the Justice Department. The Justice Department is already of record. They've made their case as to the, they say, impropriety of of releasing the affidavit. They say they won't object to the unsealing of some other materials in connection with the warrant, such as the cover sheets of the application, et cetera, et cetera. But they, they don't want the affidavit to see the light of day. So on its surface, you would think that, Trump is aligned with the media outlets. He has called for the immediate release of the affidavit. I am here to tell you from the get-go of today's program that is the last thing that he wants. As of 10 minutes ago, there was nothing on the docket that reflects any position by the Trump lawyers. And here is my cynical assessment. If Trump's lawyers file something between now and And the hearing that says we want it made public, it's only because they're convinced it'll never be made public, or at least not at this stage. The only circumstance, let me try and say it more clearly, and then you can hold me accountable for this later. I know you love doing that, not just 
TC, but the audience at large, you know, like if Michael says something that's definitive, then we get to hold him accountable for it and tell him he was wrong. All right. Here's what I'm saying. Trump doesn't want the affidavit. See, there's no upside for him. There's no upside for him in that affidavit because it's an affidavit that would have established probable cause in the view of Magistrate Judge Reinhardt. So it's a one way street. You understand the Trump lawyers aren't represented. Trump's not represented when an effort is being made by the federal government to search his premises. So whatever it is that the media outlets want to come to light would be embarrassing to Donald Trump. The media and Trump are not in sync on this. The media want they want to hear, you know, what's the skinny? What's the dirt? Trump only wants it made public. If it makes it look egregious that the property was searched, I don't think it will because it met a probable cause standard. Am I making any of this clear? Donald Trump doesn't want you to see the affidavit. And it's just really interesting because he's 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 in a bit of a pickle. Having said that he wants the immediate release of the affidavit. All right, then why haven't you filed something with the court and go on record with CNN and the Associated Press and the other outlets and and make that position known? And what's going to happen today when they actually hold the hearing? The media outlets will be there and represented. Is 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 Trump going to be represented? He can't not send counsel, can he? He's going to have to take a position. But how could he take a position where he opposes release of the affidavit. Like, he can't do that. So how does it play out? I think he either files nothing or he files something half-assed that asks for the release of the affidavit but doesn't really want it. I see no circumstance from a public relations standpoint where he could say to the court what he really wants to say to the court, which is, Don't release the affidavit. Do you follow any of this? You're my litmus test. If you don't follow it, then the audience is not going to follow follow it. it. Trump doesn't want it out, no matter what he's telling you in Truth Social. He doesn't want it out there. And of course, I'm looking at Truth Social to see if he's saying anything right this second, and he's not. I will keep you posted. No way he wants it to see the light of the day. Oh, one other other quasi-prediction, if I may. Uh, He's got video of the search being carried out. Right. The CCTV that he recorded, he has and nothing stops him from releasing that. My prediction is that there will be some uh, limited release of that information and the Trump and frankly, wisely from a tactical standpoint. If I'm Donald Trump, if I'm Donald Trump, am I releasing the CCTV of the search of his property at this stage No, I'm not. You know why? A negative story may await me. I don't think that the judge is going to release the affidavit. If the judge releases the affidavit, I think it's going to be so heavily redacted that it'll be meaningless. It'll be like the 28 pages when we got our first look at the, you know, the Saudi 28 pages. Like there was 26 of them uh, were, were all black lines. So I don't think we're going to see the affidavit in a fashion that we can really understand the basis that gave rise to the search. But follow final thought I'll offer on this, and then I'll move on. I, Trump is sitting on the video. Why hasn't he released it yet? 
I believe he's awaiting the outcome of the issue that I have just tried to frame for you, because if it goes in a bad direction for him, i.e. the affidavit does come out and it's embarrassing and it's incriminating, then I'll bet he's got fired up an edited version of something from the search to immediately change the narrative. Okay. So that's where I am. That that's where that's where I think this thing is right now. And TC, I ask you, would you please keep an eye on what is being reported while I'm speaking? Because if the Trump lawyers take a position, I, I want to know in. what it, I want to know what it is. Yes, sir. I want to know what it is. Okay. So poll results yesterday from Swerkandish.com. Huge, just huge voting for a weekday. In fact. You know, with the added heft of the CNN audience on a Saturday, we get lots of people voting on the daily poll questions more than we do during the course of the week. But yesterday, 14,259. Is Liz Cheney's influence ascendant or in decline? She lost. She's out. And yet 80 percent of us, because I'm in that category, 79.98 percent say, no, she's ascendant. Like she she may be prepared to to engage in a kamikaze mission, but her influence and what are we really talking about? The way in which she can influence the 2024 cycle, uh, it is in ascendance, not in decline. I've read a lot of analyses, analysis of what just transpired in in Wyoming. I liked CNN.com's piece that said that. She became doomed on January 13, 2021, when a week after the insurrection at the Capitol, she and nine other Republicans voted to impeach President Trump. The Cowboy State's electorate is almost entirely Republican. Wyoming has more than 215,000 registered Republicans, just 36,000 registered Democrats. That's a drop of about 15,000 registered Democrats from early 2021. It's a huge decline. But the pool of party switchers, along with the fall off of more than 3,000 independents, just not enough to save her. The Wall Street Journal reflecting on what just transpired in Wyoming. Here's their analysis. This is interesting. We don't believe most of the Republicans who voted for Ms. Cheney's opponent were dismissing the riot as a mere political protest or cheering on Mr. Trump. They were rejecting the strategy of Democrats and the media to tar the entire GOP as rioters and fanatics. In other words, the journal says, hey, most Republicans, this is not the way they said it, but it's the way I'll say it. Most Republicans realize January 6th was wrong or worse, stronger language. However, they think that the media and Democrats have overplayed their hand that the January 6th investigation has gone too far, and therefore they are rejecting what they see is this portrayal of all Republicans having broken through the doors of the Capitol. And they took it out on Liz Cheney as a result. Two analyses that I liked, both kind of echoed things that I said here yesterday. One was from Jeff Greenfield, writing for Politico. Yes, of course, I linked it at my website, and it's in the newsletter. Liz Cheney's non-concession speech. He said, rarely, this is Jeff Greenfield, and he reflects on concession speeches, high-profile ones that we've heard from politicians over the years. Rarely do we see the kind of concession speech that Cheney delivered tonight. And he points out, she had plenty of time to prepare her remarks because the polls had showed her losing badly for months. It was, 
as she promised a roadmap to her future plans for denying Donald Trump a return to the White House. His final line, there is, however, no doubt that anyone labeling this as a concession speech has severe hearing problems. Right. It was a kickoff speech. It was like a campaign. And it it was like, you know, Amy Klobuchar with the, the snow blowing in her hair in Minnesota when she decided to get into the 2020 cycle. And then the other person for whom I have great respect in terms of his his political observations and intellect that I pin to today is Ron Brownstein from The Atlantic. He says, uh, in some ways, Cheney 2024 would be unprecedented. There aren't any clear examples of a candidate running a true kamikaze campaign. A word that I used here yesterday is Liz Cheney ready for a kamikaze mission. I think she is. But Ron Brownstein expands on something that I flagged for one of the callers yesterday. If you remember, I framed the issue not yesterday, but the day before, uh, whether her future was was best running as an independent or as a Republican. And I said yesterday, don't assume that if she runs as a Republican, she gets Trump on that debate stage. Do you remember my saying that? Well, Ron Brownstein writes about that. He says debates could be another challenge for for Cheney. The general feeling among Republicans I spoke with this week is that the RNC would go to almost absurd lengths to avoid allowing Cheney to appear on the same debate stage as Trump. Well, how might they do that? One way is they might have a requirement that any candidate participating in an RNC sanctioned debate has to commit to supporting the party's eventual nominee in the general election, something she would never do. Remember, the debates that take place during the course of the nomination are not Commission on Presidential Debates. They come in the fall, three of them typically, and one VP, and Trump has already told the Commission on Presidential Debates he's not going to participate. But what takes place in the nomination process whether it's D or R, is that's a that's a collaboration between the RNC or the DNC and the media. So, you know, you get CNN sponsoring a debate among the Republicans or you get MSNBC and NBC sponsoring a debate among the Democrats. So there's nothing that guarantees that Liz Cheney, if Liz Cheney runs as an I, and it's the general and the commission on presidential debates is hosting the debates. Those were three big question marks. But if she hits 15 percent in the polls, she gets on the stage. But there's nothing that guarantees her a position on the stage if she runs in a Republican primary process. There's also a, uh, a hullabaloo of sorts about um, the concession call that she made to the person who defeated her, uh, Hageman, Harriet Hageman, she called her to congratulate on her victory. Hageman was on with Hannity last night. Hageman says, quote, while I was going in and getting ready to do my acceptance speech last night and had just arrived at the watch party, she called and left a very brief two second message on my cell phone. And that's the extent of it. I haven't had any other contact with Liz Cheney. And then, uh, she says, uh, Quote, she just said, hello, Harriet, and then hung up. Hannity asks, yeah, that was the end of the call. That was the only time. Which prompted Liz Cheney, how she recorded this, why she recorded this. Maybe she recorded this for exactly this kind of a reason. I don't know. To drop her concession call. 
AP's calling it. So we should go. That's what we should do. Alright, here he is. Liz Cheney calling. It's uh, about 8.13 on uh, Tuesday the 16th. I'm calling to concede the election uh, and uh, to uh, to congratulate you on the win. Thanks. Bye-bye. What, what else does it require? I mean, I you know, to me, that's totally appropriate. Here's what time it is. I'm calling on Tuesday the 6th. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that she wanted to document that, didn't she? It's like she saw it coming. Harriet, it's 8.13 on Tuesday the 16th. I'm calling to concede the election and to congratulate you on the win. Thanks, bye. It, it, she, she anticipated, I think. Or just recording history. Like, this is how one concedes, concedes an election. Think about what, how very firm she was in that speech saying, this election is over. Oh, yeah, you for know, sure. The votes have been counted, and this is what well, happens. I so I think it's more of a historical say, you know, This is how you lose an election Correct. in the United States. Hey, gang, hang with me. I've got lots of thoughts that I want to share. A lot of them are political and uh, pertain to the links that I I pulled for the website today and and the newsletter. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So I was mentioning a moment ago the prospect of of Liz Cheney standing on a debate stage with Donald Trump, dim if she's running as a Republican. There's a uh, there's a story that I linked to for Smirconish.com today about the Pennsylvania gubernatorial race. Of course, Veggie Gate continues to get a lot of attention in the Senate race. That's Fetterman and Dr. Oz. Oz finally did an interview where he was asked about 
his purchase of crudite and one of the one of the things that he was asked was about his misidentification of the very grocery store where he was located. He says he was exhausted, 18 hours of campaigning, yada, yada, yada. Guy says to him, okay, but but what, what about the fact that you got the grocery store name wrong? And I don't mean to fixate on it, but I, I just for those watching in Pennsylvania, you know how particular many people are about their groceries. What happened with Wegmans and Wegners? Can you explain that to them? Yeah, I was exhausted. <laughs> when you're campaigning 18 hours a day, you've, listen, I've gotten my kids' names wrong as well. I don't think that's uh, a measure of someone's ability to lead the Commonwealth. So so sad. The biggest issue of the campaign so far is Veggiegate. It's not climate. It's, it's not inflation. It's not the economy generally. Uh, it's, it's not crime. It's none of those things. It's none of those things. And the prospect of these two getting on the same debate stage, uh, not strong. I mean, eventually I would hope they, they get on the same debate stage, but that deal has not yet been arranged. And on the gubernatorial side of the campaign ledger, you've got Doug Mastriano, the Republican saying this, that he's eager to debate but he claims that moderators from mainstream media outlets are unpaid advocates and ideological allies of the Democratic candidates. So instead, he's proposing debates that would each have two moderators, one selected by each campaign who would ask an equal number of questions. You know what? Actually, I'm not going to laugh this off the more I think about it. Mastriano proposes debate. It'll never happen, but... He proposes debates that would each have two moderators, one selected by each campaign, who would ask an equal number of questions of the candidates. So, in other words, each brings in like a hitman. Each brings in a hitman. And you just try and decimate the opponent, and then then they do it to you. You started talking about this, and I looked up last times that they... The moderators had to be registered Republicans and live in Pennsylvania. And the other one was that they must not have spoken negatively about right. any of the candidates on stage. Oh, I could never do. I could never moderate any, any organization that has maligned yeah, one I of mean, the candidates. Come on. I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, those were the requ- those were the requirements. Yes. And they found a, f- a couple of people who somehow met that bill. What what kind of a journalist are you if you could ever meet that standard? But come on, works for an organization that has maligned one of the candidates? It's the line that you always say, hold me responsible for what I've said, not for what... That's crazy. Master proposes to have two moderators, one selected by each campaign who would ask an equal number of questions of the candidates, the costs he said would be covered by the campaigns or the state political parties. I mean, Josh Shapiro wants to have as few debates as possible, and the same thing with Fetterman. Same thing with Fetterman, and as do all those who are who are you know perceived to have a, a strong lead. Uh, more Trump news: His CFO Alan Weisselberg is now going to plead guilty to tax violations in a deal that will require him to testify about illicit business practices at the former president's company. According to people familiar with the deal, he's charged with taking more than 1.7 million in off-the-books compensation from the Trump organization over several years, including untaxed perks like rent, car payments, and school tuition. They were hoping to flip him. They've not been able to get him to flip, but the the possibility of him offering incriminating testimony against the Trump organization in the fall, that is a real possibility. He's likely to receive a sentence of five months in jail, 
could do that time at Rikers Island. The norm is that he would be eligible for release after about 100 days. In a related story, and I don't think I got into this yesterday, even though it caught my eye, you know, Trump is Trump is putting out legal fires on so many different fronts. And the Washington Post had a really interesting story about how uh, he's having difficulty finding the counsel of his choice. In other words, he keeps approaching different lawyers and they keep saying no, quote, the struggle to find expert legal advice puts Trump in a bind as he faces potential criminal exposure from a records dispute with the National Archives that escalated into this federal investigation into possible violations of the Espionage Act. I don't like it. I don't like it if lawyers are uh, not taking on his representation because of blowback that would then come to their practice, their firms, I don't like it. Because everybody, in my view, is entitled to a defense. And the idea that, i got to come up with better words than cancel culture, but the idea that the cancel culture would now spread to, we're going to penalize a law firm because they represent unpopular clients, I believe is dangerous for us all. Okay? So if Trump can't find counsel... Because the law firms that typically would represent a guy in his predicament don't want the negative publicity and don't want to put up with the Twitter mob and so forth. I don't like that development. However, the the, uh, Washington Post goes on to say Trump's search is being hampered by his divisiveness. That might be what I just made reference to, as well as his reputation for stiffing vendors and ignoring advice. Well, if that's the issue... If the issue is that the guy just never pays his bills and, and, and always in the end wants to pay cents on the dollar, then I totally get it. Then I totally get it. Or that he's an incorrigible client, and we've all had those, uh, then I completely understand. But not that it's the, the Twitter mob is going to punish you and, and take down your business if you do what your job is, which is to provide someone with a legal defense. More of the headlines from Smirconish.com, the newsletter, and news of the day generally in just a matter. You know, there's something yesterday that that escaped my attention. I must mention it today because of something that I saw in the Daily Mail. I saw a headline yesterday, pandemic fraud claimed billions meant for relief. I knew it was going to happen when I saw just, just how liberally, not in a political sense, but liberally they were throwing out trillions of dollars in the midst of the pandemic. I knew there'd be people among us who were just going to take total advantage of it. And then, by the way, there's a Daily Mail story that talks about celebrities who took advantage of PPP loans. I'm not saying the celebrities engaged in fraud. But it's it's pretty interesting to see some of the names on that list and how much money they got that was then forgiven. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So at a Los Angeles strip club, they have now taken their first steps toward unionization, becoming the latest U.S. workers to seek collective bargaining power. You have to love a place that regards itself in its own title as a dive bar. Dancers at the Star Garden topless dive bar submitted a petition with the federal government beginning a process could see them represented by performers union actors equity equity already represents over 51,000 performers and stage managers across the united states many of them are in la the president kate Schindel, quote strippers are live entertainers and while some aspects of their jobs are unique they have much in common with other equity members who dance for a living. You wonder if the other equity members will, will raise a fuss or be thrilled to just welcome them to the uh, to the fore. Open arms. You think so? Yeah, why not? Um, I referenced before the break. So two, two stories that I, I want to put together, even though there's, there's not an allegation of the former being caught up in the activities of the latter. What am I talking about? Okay, and both of these are posted today. From the Daily Mail... The companies of mega-rich celebrities, including billionaires Kanye West and Jay-Z, received millions in government PPP loans, and in virtually every case, the A-listers have been let off the hook for paying back the full amount. For the first time, DailyMail.com can reveal the exact amounts that these wealthy companies got through the Payment Protection Program, you remember, which was set up for desperate businesses hit by the COVID pandemic. Here are the names that I'm looking at on the list. Jared Kushner, 3,001,119. That's the PPP loan. His net worth, according to the Daily Mail, 800 million forgiven. Kanye West, 
net worth $2 billion. His PPP loan, $2.3 million. I won't give you the exact amounts. Uh, repayment, unknown. Jay-Z, $2 million, unknown. Diddy, $1.9 million in a PPP loan, forgiven. Paul Pelosi, oh, I'm sure this will be great fodder on, uh, on Fox tonight. Uh, Paul Pelosi, $120 million net worth, $1.7 PPP loan, totally forgiven. Khloe Kardashian, net worth $60 million, was given a $1.2 was given a $1. million PPP loan, forgiven. Jeff Koons, $200 million, $1 million in PPP, forgiven. Reese Witherspoon, $975,000 in a PPP loan, net worth of $400 million, forgiven. Tom Brady, uh, net worth of $150 million, so a $960,000 there, PPP loan, is forgiven. Is there any news behind those those... those well, they because the headlines sound terrible, but right. if all these p- people have companies. They have businesses that are legit, right? I, I am not saying that there's anything nefarious about this, other than the optics of the people optics saying, are terrible. "Did you really need the optics right? are terrible? Couldn't you have scooped your own self out?" Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's well said, TC. But I mean, the the you know people wealthy people are wealthy because they know how to handle their money, right? True, right? So. Now, I'm telling you crystal clear that there's that story that relates to government bailouts in the midst of COVID. And I'm mentioning it in the same breath as this story from The New York Times, not because any of the people that I've just referenced were involved in any fraud. In in fact, there's no evidence that any of them were. It's just interesting because they're celebrities and they participated in those loans, as did a lot of other folks. David Fahrenholt, and I must say, I, this is in the total I told you so category. There was so much money flying out the door. You just knew that there would be someone like Vina Odzmin who bought a Pokemon card for $57,000 after receiving a pandemic loan for a non-existent business. Okay? Guy gets a loan and receives and, and takes, turns around and turns the, the money into a Pokemon card purchase. Um, here's the story. In the midst of the pandemic, the government gave unemployment benefits to the incarcerated, the imaginary, and the dead. You know what? I should stop right there. It kind of reminds you of what critics say about voting, doesn't it? The incarcerated, the imaginary, and the dead. It sent money to farms, quote unquote, that turned out to be front yards. It paid people who were on the government's do not pay list. It gave them it gave loans to 342 people who said their name was N.A., not applicable. As the coronavirus shuttered businesses and forced people out of work, the federal government sent a flood of relief money into programs aimed at helping the newly unemployed and bolstering the economy that included 3.1 trillion that former President Donald Trump approved in 2020, followed by $1.9 trillion, a package signed into law by President Biden in 2021. But those dollars came with few strings and minimal oversight. The result, one of the largest frauds in American history, with billions of dollars stolen by thousands of people, including at least one amateur who boasted of his criminal activity on YouTube. And now prosecutors are trying to catch up. Well, I would say they're struggling to catch up because they're totally understaffed. There are currently 500 people working on pandemic fraud cases across the offices of 21 inspectors general, plus investigators from the FBI and Secret Service, the Postal Inspection Service and the Internal Revenue Service. Well, that's not enough. 
And I'm thinking about our conversation recently in terms of the the IRS getting all of that money in the take your pick inflation reduction climate the huge spending bill, you know, that which President Biden just signed into law. Would any of us be beefing if you had the data that said there were billions stolen from PPP funds and the government is just totally ill-equipped to go out and recapture it? I think we'd be thrilled, wouldn't we? No? To, to, be, to know that they're, they're pursuing that? Uh, here, an example. Hannibal Ware, the Small Business Administration's inspector general, said that his office has tried to focus on cases involving large thefts, career criminals, and ringleaders of fraud operations. Only about 50 working field agents, right? So how do I take one of my agents off a $20 million case to work on a $10,000 case? That has allowed many individuals who took advantage of government programs to go unpunished despite ample evidence of people fraudulently obtaining $10,000 advance grants. Mr. Ware's office has not sought charges for any cases involving only a single grant falsely obtained. It would cost more than $10,000 just to investigate it. So good news. If you ripped off the PPP program, you're in the clear. Investigators say that Congress, in its haste to get money out the door, devised all three packages with the same flaw. They relied on the honor system. For example, an expanded unemployment benefit gave workers an extra $600 per week in federal jobless funds on top of what they received from their state. The program was funded by the federal government but administrated by states, which often had loose rules around qualifying. Applicants did not need to provide proof that they had lost income because of COVID-19. They simply had to swear that it was true. And then somewhere in here, of course, is like the inevitable guy who was getting paid. Oh, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Listen to this. In some cases, the programs missed schemes that were comically easy to, to uh, spot. In one instance, 29 states paid unemployment benefits to the same person. In another, a Postal Service employee got an $82,900 loan for a business called U.S. Postal Services. Another individual got 10 loans for 10 non-existent bathroom renovation businesses using the email address of a burrito shop. In the Paycheck Protection Program, private banks were supposed to help with the screening since, in theory, they were dealing with customers they already knew, but that left out many small businesses and the government allowed online lenders to enter the program. This year, University of Texas researchers found that some of these fintech leaders appeared less legit about catching fraud. In another case, a mother and daughter in Westchester County, New York, stand accused of turning fraud into franchise, helping other people cook up fake businesses in order to get loans from the Economic Injury Disaster Program. Andrea Ayers advised one client to tell the government she ran a baking business from home, although she was not a baker. You bake, she texted to her client, adding four laugh-cry emojis, LOL, the client wrote back. I could go on and on and on, but it would just frustrate the hell out of you to hear all this. Totally predictable. Totally predictable, given how quickly they moved to get all that money out the door. And now the federal government doesn't have enough horses to, to go track it all down. A disgrace. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.